Acts 1. I, am, I tell people I'm a newer model, but I'm high mileage is <laughs> what I feel like. I feel old. If I ate a little better exercise, it might help with that, but I don't know. Acts chapter number 1. I love coming to Jubilee. Good gracious, I love it. This is the highlight my year, and I mean that. I, I, I really mean that. It's a highlight, and I, I feel like many of you feel the same way that I do about it. It's a great time of encouragement. I just I love coming to the area. Just when you get into Chattanooga, this North Georgia area, just all the memories of coming to Jubilee all these years and coming to this area, I love it. I thank God for it. Uh, I think, you know, I've always thought North Georgia, Chattanooga area, man, just a great bulwark of fundamentalism and conservatism. But I think it's kind of slipping up just a little bit. I was, uh, I was riding down the road in town here and uh, stopped at the red light. And, you know, there was a guy out there. It looked like he was raising money. had a big five-gallon bucket. There's a paper tape to the bucket. It said, For Nancy Pelosi. What did it say? I thought, good gracious. Well, I didn't want to have anything to do with that guy. And uh, if you ever pulled up somewhere and there's somebody out there raising money, you know, you try not to make eye contact with them. <laughs> Don't you hate it when your car just pulls up right there next to them? And you're just like, nah, hold on. Don't look. Don't look. Kind of like some of y'all in the offering. You don't want to make eye contact. <laughs> Brother Morgan. Brother John. Brother Randy up here. You don't make eye contact with them. You'll be fine. Try not to look like that. He started tapping on my window. I'm like, yeah. And I said, what in the world? Good gracious. Leave me alone. Roll down the window. He said, sir, it's an emergency. He said, terrorists have captured Nancy Pelosi. And, uh, yeah. He said, they've sent a ransom letter. They're going to douse her with gallons of gasoline and light her on fire if they don't get a million dollars. And at that point, I felt pretty concerned. I said, well, good gracious. I said, how much have you raised so far? He said, we've got about 48 gallons uh, so far. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, maybe it's not as bad as I thought it was getting around here. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Lord, help us. If y'all get some comments on that, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. Amen. Acts chapter 1. Look at verse 15, if you will, please. I appreciate the liberty Brother Gravely has given me. He said, I could take all the 30 minutes I wanted this morning. <laughs> so I plan on doing that. Amen. Acts 1, 15. The Bible says, In those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, The number of names together were about 120. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity. And falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst. And all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch as that field is called in their proper tongue, a seldoma. That is to say, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate. 
And let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. Wherefore of these men which have companied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Bersabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias. He was numbered with the eleven apostles. I want to call your attention back to two verses, but leave your Bible open as... We'll be uh, preaching from this whole text. Verse 18 says, Now this man, speaking of Judas, purchased the field with the reward of iniquity. And I want you to note this word. It says, and falling. I underline that word in my Bible. And then, it's again in verse 25. It says that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell. I want you to underline that word as well. And I got something on my heart this morning I want to give to you very quickly and I'll take my seat. I want to preach on this thought, keeping the faith after watching a fall. Keeping the faith after watching a fall. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I I pray that you'd help us this morning. Lord, none of us in here are above falling. None of us have arrived. We've not made it to a safe place. Lord, where we can make provision for our flesh. Lord, I pray, God, that you would sober us. I pray that you would speak to us. I pray, Father, that you'd strengthen us, Lord, in our inner man. Uh, and I pray, Father, that you would help those, Lord, that have, uh, have been affected, Lord, by defection. Lord, by watching others leave and walk away and, and fail. Lord, I pray that you would warn us and help us. Lord, help me, Lord. I want to be your messenger just for a few minutes. Lord, I pray that you'd fill me with the Spirit and use me for your glory. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, it's so easy to distort the past. Don't we do that? We all do that. We kind of fantasize about how things used to be. The good old days, when really the good old days were just as bad sometimes as, as, as the, as the uh, present is. But we have uh, easier time suppressing the problems and thinking about all the good times and you know, it's amazing to hear, just as a young preacher and just a young Christian, I guess, just a young man, I hear people stand up and testify different ages and they talk about how it was in the 90s. And some people say, well, you know, you should have been around in the 80s when God was really moving or in the 70s or 50s or so on and so forth. And the truth is, I'm glad God's still working today. No doubt about that. He is. And I'm glad for when you got in. No doubt about that. Wasn't it exciting? Just whenever you get in, that would seem like the most exciting days. But we, we have, a, we have a, 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 a tendency to do that sometimes. And even sometimes we'll romanticize the early church and think, man, this was, they had it going on. I mean, everything was just perfect and it was just highlights and mountains and victories. But if you go through the book of Acts, you'll find a lot of problems in the book of Acts. 
What was amazing is not that they were uh, absent of problems or not that they were without problems, but what was amazing is that the power of God was so real in their life that seemingly no problem could stop the momentum of what God was doing. They overcome problems. They overcome issues. There was discord in the church. There was disruptions in the church. There was times they had to exercise discipline in the church. There were disagreements, Paul and Barnabas and different things. And there was even defection, people that walked away and people that disappointed. And in our text, the church, I know the official start date maybe has not, has not commenced yet, but I, I, I'll ask for a little liberty to use that this morning. The church is uh, dealing with uh, some troubles that have, have come up. There's been abandonment. There's been betrayal. There has been fallout. There has been defection. And unless we think that Judas was just some kind of creepy guy that nobody ever liked, uh, and everybody, I would remind you that nobody suspected him of doing what he did. When Jesus sat at that table with his disciples and said that somebody is going to betray me tonight, if he was the creepy guy in the corner that was always lurking around, uh, wearing black robes, I think everybody said, well, we know who it's going to be. Uh, it's the creepy guy over there that holds the money. Uh, but nobody said that. Nobody said, Judas, Judas, Judas. Everybody said, is it me? Is it I? Who is it? We don't know. There was no hint of... He was one of them. Verse 17, that said he was numbered with us. He had obtained part of this ministry. Uh, he was there with the miracles. He was there with the, the healings. He was there uh, in the ministry. He was there in the times of teaching and learning and discipleship. He was numbered among them. He had a part of this ministry. And yet he's no longer there. And that's what they have to deal with. An uncomfortable business meeting must take place to deal with some uncomfortable business. Is there anything more discouraging to a church family than when somebody walks away? Is there anything that breaks a pastor's heart more and when somebody walks away, and I'm not saying they go to a church up the road, that's its own little set of problems, I guess, but I'm talking about they just give up, and they just quit, and they hang it up, and they're gone, and it seems like the Jesus that they used to love, and they used to serve, and, and they worshiped with you, and they walked with you, and, 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 they're, and they're no longer there anymore. I tell you, it has a devastating effect on a church family to watch people. It has a devastating effect on a, on a pastor to, uh, to, to watch people walk away and, and people that, that used to be numbered among us, they're no longer here. It has a devastating effect on, on the people in the congregation, the young people to watch other young people go. As soon as they get 18 or as soon as they get a little bit of liberty, they hit the door and they walk away or a preacher falls or, or a leader, a Sunday school teacher uh, turns their back and goes total opposite of everything they've ever ever taught and everything they've ever done what a discouraging thing that is it has an effect on the entire congregation it causes some to lose hope some begin to doubt the truth some get a hard heart and, and, and they say well you know I'm not ever going to let anybody get that close to me ever again I, I'm not going to let any I'm not going to invest I'm not going to I'm not going to have a relationship with somebody like that if that's what they're going to do and they get bitter and they get hard hearted and it affects pastors in a hard, hard way when somebody walks away it's discouraging you pour into people and you, and, and, and you disciple them and you love them and you pray for them and you're there for them and then for them just to walk away if you don't watch it preacher you'll get a, you'll get a hard heart 
you'll, you'll begin not to let anybody in. Nobody get, can get near. Nobody can get inside because you don't want anybody to hurt you anymore. It seems like those that you love the most, they can hurt you the worst. I'm going to tell you something. You will have to deal with this. It's going to happen. In fact, it's going to happen again. It's going to happen and happen. I wish it wasn't that way, but it's going to happen and happen and happen and happen again. How do we encourage our young people? How do we encourage our church? How do we stay encouraged ourselves to keep the faith after watching a fall? When there are disruptions in the ministry like this, how do we do that? Well, I want to show you right here from the text here, there's a couple anchors that I found that help us stay encouraged and stay hopeful even in hard times like this. Let me give you a couple things and then I'll be done. Number one, let me say this. How do we keep the faith after watching a fall? Number one, remember this, that God has a plan that we must lean on. God has a plan that we must lean on. 120 believers, they've been praying together. They've been waiting for the promise of of the Holy Spirit of God to come. And and while they're waiting, Peter has to stand up, verse 15 and 16, he has to stand up and take care of some some undesirable business, some things that they'd probably rather not deal with and rather not talk about and rather not think about but but he must do it and he stands up in this difficult business meeting and I love what Peter says verse number 16 he says men and brethren and look at those next words he says this scripture Peter helps the people by pointing their faith uh, in the right direction. He says, look at the Word of God. Look at what the Bible says. Look at what God said in His Word. He says, nothing has taken place that has taken God by surprise. Everything that has happened has been, has been uh, 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 already stated uh, by God. He could be referring to Psalms 41 when a thousand years before this meeting ever took place, David took his pen and under inspiration of the Holy Ghost he said Psalm 41 verse 9 Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me How did Peter know that David was referring to this? Well, Jesus himself at the table in John 13, he said, I I speak not of you all, I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture might be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now listen, I am not saying this morning, I'm not even implying that God makes people abandon the faith. God does not tempt with evil. He cannot be charged with that at all. He does not make people do that. He does not make people walk away. I don't believe that that's God's will for anybody's life to do that. That's not what I'm saying. Judas did what he did of his own free will, of his own volition. He is personally responsible for his choice and his decision and what he did. But I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is this, is that nothing takes God by surprise. The things that discourage us, the things that surprise us, the things that take our breath away, they have never surprised God one bit. And I want to tell you something, friend. God is in control of every single situation. He is always in control. His sovereignty is my sanity. There's times I don't know if I can walk another mile. I don't know if I can go on. I don't know if I can take more bad news from somebody else. But then I can lay my head on my pillow at night and know that God is in control. And there is nothing that is taking Him off 
guard. And he always, he's the alpha and he's the omega. He's the beginning and he is the end. And the work of God is not hinging upon you or me or my faithfulness. This thing hangs on the faithfulness of God. And when I can't lean on others and I can't even lean on myself, I'm glad that there is a God in heaven that I can lean on and know that He has a plan. And He always has had a plan. And He's working His plan. And let me say this, all things work together for good. Not all, not all things are good, but all things work together for good. In fact, Judas, this fall and this betrayal, it put in motion the greatest thing that has ever happened in the history of humanity. That is the cross. That is Calvary. That is to say that God can take all things and work them for our good. Nobody can overthrow what God wants to do. His plan, I'm going to tell you something, let me give you some good news. I know folks fail and I know folks fall and I, and I know you can't always depend on people. I know people disappoint you and things and that's just a part of it. But can I give you some good news this morning? And that is this, is that no one can overthrow the plans of God. His church will march on. His work will go forward no matter what man may do. This thing is not dependent on you or I. It is dependent upon the faithfulness of God. And I know it's disheartening. And I know it hurts. <laughs> I know it hurts. I'm going to tell you something. God has a plan. And God always works His plan. No doubt about that. He's got a plan. And, we can, and I, I think that God sometimes allows us to experience this disappointment just so we'll always know who the one is that never fails. And the one is who is always faithful. Number one, God has a plan that we must lean on. Number two, not only if we're going to keep the faith after watching the fall, are we going to have to remember that there's a plan that we have to lean on. But number two, let me say this, that God has a principle we must learn from. Not only God has a plan we must lean on, but secondly, God has a principle we must learn from. And I, I want to give that to you here very quickly. Verse 18 Verse 17 says he was numbered with us. He obtained part of this ministry. Verse 18, I want you to look at that. It says, now this man purchased the field with the reward of iniquity. And falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst. And all his bowels gushed out. That is a disgusting verse to me. That is disturbing. That is gross. I'm not a blood and gore kind of guy. Some people are. They love that stuff. I am not at all. I don't like to watch it on TV. I don't like to. I don't like. I don't like to. See, I don't like to see it in real life. If somebody's bleeding or somebody's dying or something like that, I I run the other way. I know that's horrible. I call nine one one for them if I need to. But thank God for doctors and nurses. Aren't you glad they can do all that kind of stuff? There's not a, There's not all the money in the world that could allow me to. It's disgusting. I know some people, they like to watch on TV or on YouTube or things. They'll pull up surgeries and open heart. Things. I'm going to tell you something, sir. If that's you, you're disgusting. It's gross. You're sick. You're shaking as a child. Your brain is loose. You need oxygen. That's, I, I can't stand that stuff. No, seriously, some people, they, they don't mind all, any of that at all. This verse to me, that's nasty. I, you know, Acts 1 fills in details that we don't even have from the gospel writers about the suicide of Judas. 
Why, why is this verse even in here? Why do we got to know how disgusting it was? I mean, isn't it enough to know that Judas hanged himself? Why do we got to know that he fell and, 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 and headlong and his bowels were, were, were open and his, his torso was ripped open and all of his bowels came out? Why do we got to know that? I'll tell you why. Because there's a principle we got to learn from. And that's this, is that the results of sin... Never pretty. They're ugly. They're gross. It's disgusting what sin does. I'm going to tell you something. This is not, verse 18, that's not what sin promises. That's not what it promises. But that is what it pays. That is what it delivers. Uh, sin will take you farther than you ever thought you would go. It'll, it'll cost you more than you ever thought you would have to pay. Keep you longer than you ever thought you would have to stay. I want to tell you, friend, that, that, that the wages of sin is death and lust. When it hath conceived, bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, it brings forth death. It's disgusting. It is nasty. This is what sin does. It's not what Judas was after. He was after some money. Maybe, I don't know, maybe he was trying to play both sides against the middle. Maybe he thought, just like the other disciples, like the other apostles, he thought, there's a kingdom, he's a king, he's going to set up a kingdom. That's unstoppable, nobody's going to stop that. I can sell him out, put some money in my pocket, and when they come to uh, arrest him, there's no way that he's going to be arrested. There's no way they're going to crucify him. They can't kill this man. He's the king of glory. They're not going to kill him, and he's going to set up his kingdom, and I can play both sides. I can have it both. Can I tell you, friend, you can't have it both ways. You can't have have Jesus and this world. Jesus said you cannot serve God and mammon. You can't have both. And when you try to play both sides or you go that way, I'm telling you, here is your destination, friend. It's an ugly place to end up. It's an ugly destination. I want you to think about this. Why, Why do... Why has there got to be failure? Why, why do we got to see these things? I'll tell you what they are. If you'll let them be to your life, I'll tell you what they'll be. There'll be some examples for you. There'll, some, there'll be some examples. We, we're, we're only here by the grace of God. We're not here to look down our nose at anybody this morning, but can you, unfortunately, can you think about some examples? Can you think about those that have fallen away? Can you think about how wrecked and ruined their lives are? How do we keep the faith after watching them fall? Well, see the results. See what sin does. See what sin delivers. It ought to scare you to death. Brother Gravely, I'm serving God this morning because I, I love the Lord. I ought to love Him better, but I do love the Lord this morning. I want to serve Him. I'm serving the Lord this morning because it was what I was raised to do. I had a mom and dad that raised me and my sister to serve the Lord. I serve the Lord this morning because I ought to do it. I believe that God is worthy of all of my love, all of my devotion, all of my affection. He's worthy of it. It's, 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 logic. it's reasonable service. It's logical worship. To give him everything. But I tell you, I serve the Lord this morning because I'm afraid. Yes, 
I'm scared to death. There is a holy, healthy fear of God that was put inside of me as a young child. And I have four children. And when I think about quitting, and when I think about hanging it up, and when I think, and people have disappointed me, and I think, <clears throat> I just can't do it anymore. I can't beat them, just join them. There's a fear of God inside of me. I don't want to end up with my bowels on the outside. I don't end up, I don't want my life on the rocks. I don't want my home on the rocks. I don't want my ministry on the rocks. I'm scared to death. And I'm going to tell you something, if you think you're the exception this morning, you think I can play with sin and I, I, can, I can do it and this won't happen to me. This happens to other people, but it would never... Like old Peter, he told Jesus, he said, everybody else, man, I'll, I'll never forsake you. I'll, ne- I'll never. You better be careful saying stuff like that. You need to take heed, my friend, lest you fall. Oh my, you need to consider the examples. Why does God allow these things? Why do these things take place? Well, I... I, I I'd be arrogant to say I know all the answers, but I, I do believe this. I believe that when those things take place, there's a plan that we can lean on. Oh, yes. And there's a, there's a principle that we must learn from. And then let me give you this last thing, and I'm done. How do we keep the faith after watching a fall? Let me give you this last one. God has a person we must look for. God has a person we must look for. Very interesting, the last six or seven verses of our text. Verse 20, for it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate and let no man dwell therein. But look what he said, and his bishopric let another take. Very interesting. Now, this has been some very interesting verses and it's, it's interesting to see what uh, different men say about it and different opinions on the events that take place here in this business meeting. Some would say that the disciples maybe were acting in haste and that maybe they had gotten ahead of God just a little bit and that, you know, Paul was the, we heard a message on that yesterday and Paul was the apostle that God chose. Matthias was just the apostle that the men chose. and Maybe he wasn't, they weren't right in doing that. Some would argue that even their manner of, uh, of choosing him was a little questionable. They cast lots to choose a, an apostle. I, I don't, even act like I know everything about this, but let me, let me just give you a couple things. I would say, first of all, that they had Bible for what they were doing. In fact, Peter quotes Psalm 69 and he quotes Psalm 109 in their reasoning here. So the scriptures say, what we're doing is in accordance with the word of God. They had Bible for doing it. Uh, I would note this as well, that they were in a spirit of prayer before they did it, while they were doing it, and even afterwards. The decision. It seems like these are all, these are all uh, prayerful men and spiritual men that are making this decision. And what's even more amazing to me is this, is that they chose two men. You have uh, Justice and Matthias, and they put both of them there, and they made a decision. And as far as we can tell, nobody got mad. Nobody got offended. Nobody got jealous over the decision. They accepted it as God's will. 
What's amazing as well is they cast lots, but the Bible tells us that God used lots many times in the Old Testament for His purposes. In fact, the Bible tells us that He's even in control of the way the lots fall. Psalm 16, Proverbs 16, 33. Lots were used to choose the priest, the course of the priest. Joshua used them to divide the land. It was used by the men on the boat. Jonah was thrown off according to the will of God. My personal opinion is this, and that's just this, just my personal opinion, is that Jesus probably told them to do it. The Bible says in verse number 3 of chapter number 1 that in those 40 days before His ascension that He spent time with them, speaking to them pertaining, the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. How in the world were these disciples, and especially Peter, who couldn't even figure out about the death, the burial, the resurrection as many times as Jesus told them about it, how all of a sudden are they pulling obscure psalms out of the Old Testament and saying, this is what we need to do? How do they even know that? Jesus told them. That's what I think. But either way, it doesn't matter. You can be wrong if you want to, if you don't agree with me. Here's the point. Here's the application, and I'm done. Is that when we watch a fall, and we have to deal with defection, and we have to abandonment and betrayal, if you lose hope, if you give up, you're going to miss out on who God has next. God wasn't done, there was a replacement. You've got to stay hopeful. You must stay encouraged. You've you got to stay faithful because God has somebody else out there that He is going to put in your life that you can work with and that will encourage you and you can encourage them. You must trust God to replace anything that the devil has taken away. In fact, you know what the name Matthias means? It means gift of God. That's what it means. What a gift he was. And if you quit, if you lose heart because somebody has failed you and somebody has walked away and somebody has, has given up and it's discouraging you and you're just going to quit too, can I tell you, you might miss out on a great gift that God has down the road for you. If you quit, if you get bitter because somebody else quit and somebody else gave up, you're going to miss out the, on the gifts that God may have for your ministry down the road. God has somebody else out there for you to encourage God has somebody else out there to encourage you. I know it hurts. Man, you don't have to pastor long. Good gracious. Remember when I first started pastoring? I was not six years old when I first started pastoring. I had turned nine years old the week before. You can't be a novice, brother. But it didn't take long. It didn't take long. Somebody to fail, somebody to fall, somebody to quit, somebody to give up. And uh, nobody, there wasn't any books that I'd read. And I I read that book. It's a great book. I'd recommend it. Before I started passion, I read that book. It's what every preacher should know. By Dr. Hugh Pyle. Get that book. Read that book. It's a great book. Is it out there? Get that book. It's wonderful. But it wasn't in that book. I didn't find it in the Hiles Church Manual. It wasn't in that book. A lot of stuff ain't in that book. (laughs) 
When somebody left, somebody quit, somebody gave. There ain't a book, there ain't a message, there wasn't a Bible college class or anything that prepared me for what I felt on the inside. I felt crushed. I felt like, man, it just kills you on the inside. I don't know if I, 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 I remember thinking, I can't do this. I remember sitting in the assistant chair and looking at the pastor. Man, somebody, you know, there maybe caused a little trouble in the church or maybe, you know, just not doing everything just right. And I was like, man, you, we ought to church them right now. Just get rid of them. We ought to kick them out. Somebody leave the church. I'm like, Good riddance. I'm glad they're gone. We, what we need around here is a backdoor revival, bless God. Get them all out of here. But when that pastor's heart was put inside of me, oh my, the first time, it wasn't let them go. It wasn't, they look better going than coming. Don't let the door hit you on the way. It wasn't that. No, no, no. It was, oh my soul. It hurts so bad. I'm supposed to preach? I'm supposed to get up and give a message? What? I'm going to tell you something. You can. You can stay faithful. You've got to rely on that plan. Know that God has a plan. And he is working that plan. And God, God has a principle. He's trying to teach us something. God has another person. Brother, Brother Williams, Brother Dana's been preaching on one more. There's one more out there. There's one more. There's one more. And if you quit... Which, what are we going to do? Don't quit. You stay faithful. You can keep the faith even after watching it fall. Let's stand